Well, good morning, and thanks for tuning in to Grace Presbyterian here in Segola. Today, we begin a four-part series looking at a variety of truths out of the book of Proverbs. These truths come as highlighted in an interview that I held with our previous pastor and his wife, Pastor Dave Anderson. Today's message revolves around the church's calling to love one another and our challenge to be a friend in the center of adversity. Thanks for listening. Love is an interesting thing. It's the only substance on earth that when you give it away, you actually end up with more than you started with. Love is also the defining characteristic of a Christian. Jesus says to his disciples that the world will recognize you as my own because of your love. 1 John, his disciple, the beloved disciple, writes this in chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is, what's it say? Love. God is love. For a few, a few months, I've been wanting to start this series. A series that I'm calling uh, Messages from Pastor Dave. Dave loved you. Dave knew what it was to also receive love from this church. I, before he uh, passed away, spent some time with he and Marie uh, to sit down and just share and just ask uh, as many questions as I could because I knew that the time was going to be short. And in that meeting... um, Uh, Dave gave me permission to share with you everything that he shared with me. And that's what I hope to do over the next couple of weeks, is to offer just a few of those nuggets of what Dave told me in those moments when we uh, sat down together that he really wanted the church to know. I'd like to play for you uh, a clip of that interview because I recorded it because I don't remember everything, so I have to record things, right? Um, and, and just to warn you, too, that at this time, uh, it might be a little emotional listening to this because this is your pastor. Uh, served here for 15 years. Uh, but I want you to listen to the words. Uh, this is in the middle of a conversation uh, regarding ministry and uh, something that Dave wanted to share with you. I think just be yourself. Sure. I enjoyed preaching. I enjoyed teaching. I always try to be faithful to the word. If there was something you wanted the church to know, boy, I'm leaving this earth. This is what I want you to know. Like kind of one last this that I've loved you. graduation message. <laughs> that yeah. I've loved you with my whole heart. And my whole soul. Yeah. Well, I've been lucky. A lot of pastors don't have that. Mm-hmm. They're That's only true. always criticized. That's true. They're yeah. only always criticized. And um, just to think about it and, let, and then to let that in. Mm-hmm. You know, that you have loved me and helped me become a better pastor. Mm-hmm. I'd say that. And Marie's, like Marie's helping me be a better husband. Wow. Yes. <laughs> That's Marie's helping me be a better pastor. You're right upside the head. It, it's helping me be a better pastor because they love me. Yeah. And when I follow that, I love you with. Yeah. Uh, They're very a hug, congregation. A hug here, a hug there, a little over there. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable, Brian. 
that they sure treated us. I've never had a church experience like this. Yeah. I told them that a hundred times. Dave was so thankful to be the pastor here. And he felt that more in those last years, more than any other time. It's a challenge that all of us have to recognize the love that we would have for one another. And to have the privilege of extending love to one another. That we ought not wait till it gets down to the very end. But I really wanted to share that with you. That when Dave thinks back for what made him a good pastor, he gives the church credit for that. And in by doing so, recognizing that God is love, he's giving who credit? He's really giving God the credit for the ministry and the time that he had here. Did you hear what he said? That you share love with one another and then what do you do after that? You give a little, you give a little hug. I tell you, the favorite, my favorite part of the service is when we finish the songs and we all get to just hug one another. Is that not the favorite, your favorite part? Come on, I'll be honest. Is that not your favorite part of the service? It's my favorite part. Because everything else that we do in church can easily get misconstrued for being church. Now, we spent some time back in the fall looking through uh, what the church really is. And I have to remind us once again, the church is not a building. The church is not a place that you can go to. Additionally, hear me now, the church is not a service. What we do here on Sunday is not church. You can't do church. You are the church. Which is why when we kind of uh, roll back the, um, the, the bulletin list and the itinerary and everything that we're going to do together, which is glorifying to God, don't get me wrong, it's a good thing we do those things, but that's not church. That moment when you get to hug one another, that you get to shake hands with one another, that you get to express love to one another, that is what the church is all about. As we spend these few weeks uh, holding on to these nuggets that we're going to receive from Pastor Dave, uh, we're going to look in the book of Proverbs. And I want to invite you to have your Bibles, open them up with me now to Proverbs chapter 17. We're going to see, even as the uh, writer of Proverbs is going to begin speaking to the student, warning them to listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. That throughout the book of Proverbs, we are given these short, pithy sayings that play true to life and speak by the Spirit's inspiration to write where we need to hear God today. In Proverbs chapter 17, we just have a very short verse, but it is rich. I'd like you to look with me at Proverbs chapter 17. In verse 17, the writer says this, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Pretty short, right? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I want to simply explain to you what this means and how this relates to the message that we would hear from Pastor Dave concerning love and our joy and privilege to share love with one another. Um, he's not saying that he's got his buddies, his friends, for all the times, and then when hard times come, he's got his brother. You might think that, but that's not what it's saying. In fact, what the writer is saying here is the same thing two different ways. That's all he's doing. He's introducing this idea that a friend loves at all times, and then he goes a level deeper by changing the word friend into something that has a little bit more commitment as brother. Do you notice that? So um, you maybe have heard the saying, blood is thicker than water. 
I had, I, uh, I've heard that. I had to look that up. I asked uh, Siri on my phone, Siri, what does this mean? And she just started telling me about blood, so she doesn't know. <laughs> what that phrase means is that uh, the relationship that really has strength to it when it counts is the family relationship. Uh, th- this is why you find when people are on hard times, they always kind of have to call Family members, right? They go home and live with their mom. Don't worry, that's not going to happen. Don't worry. Not, not gonna. Lord will. But that's what family is for, right? So that's what the author does. Is He's saying the same thing two different ways. And he goes another level deeper too with this concept of all times by really highlighting the point where we need a friend the most, which isn't at the good times, but when? When we face adversity. A friend loves at all times. That's the mark of a true friend. And a brother is born for adversity. He's saying the same thing, recognizing the importance of how we would relate to one another as a family and as friends. But I also want you to see uh, the context around which this verse falls. Have you ever had a bad day? Anyone ever have a bad day, right? Like uh, you just got a headache, uh, work was driving you crazy, things weren't going right, and you're driving through town and like you hit every red light. Does that ever happen to anyone other than me? You just... It's like my vehicle has a little signal on it. Hey, here comes pastor. Give me a red light. Or your phone drops down between the seat. Has that ever happened? Yeah, that'll ruin your day. And you pull into Home Depot and your whole exhaust system falls off your vehicle. True story. True story. Kind of, kind of one of those days that's just surrounded with, you know, hard times. That's verse 17. I want you to see this. Verse 17 is having a rough day. I want you to look back a couple of verses. Check out verse uh, uh, 14. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. So starting a quarrel, there's this idea of argument that's going on. Verse 15, acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, the Lord detests them both. That's another negative thing, right? You don't acquit the guilty. Verse 16, of what use is money in the hand of a fool, since he has no desire to get wisdom? Uh, then comes 17, but jump down to the verses that come after. Verse 18, a man lacking in judgment strikes hands in a pledge and puts up security for his neighbor. Verse 19, he who loves a quarrel loves sin. You see quarreling showing up again? The, the writer, I think, was going through a hard time. We, we got a few themes that are uh, working around this idea of needing a friend. And it's all surrounding, well, look what it says. Quarreling, like must have been a fight that was going on, must have been an argument. Uh, My guess is maybe there was this issue of uh, maybe a financial thing that was going on. Right? Somebody was guilty and they should have been condemned, but they got off the hook and and they pledged to give money and they weren't using it right. They were a fool and he, he was lacking in judgment. And then he wants to argue just a bad day. Right, just a bad day. And it's in the middle of this. It's, it's surrounding in the middle of all of the difficulty that you and I can face in life that the writer says these words, a friend loves at all times. Not just when it's easy. Not just when it's convenient. All times. I wrote this down. I said, uh, there is no time clock to punch on friendship. Right? You, you, you don't go uh, to the time clock and punch your card and say, all right, I'll be your friend now. But I tell you, I get off in three hours. <laughs> and I'm taking a vacation next week, so call someone else. No, that's not what friendship is. Friendship means that you are there thick and thin, 
better and worse. You are there through it all. I can think in my mind of uh, the story of Jesus uh, as we're going to celebrate uh, the, the reminder of that last supper with his disciples and that they one by one, remember they made the pledge that even if all uh, uh, betray you, I never will, right? And I'll even go to death with you. And all of them kind of swear to this. And then what happens when the hard times come? Right? What do they do? They're nowhere to be seen. And how Jesus would have really understood that this, this verse is true. When you're surrounded by difficulty, surrounded by the Sanhedrin and the, the high priests and the Pharisees and the, the teachers who want to kill them and the band of Roman soldiers, that Jesus knew this to be true as well. That a friend loves at all times. I wrote this down. I said, fair weather friends are not allowed. Do you, you know that phrase? A fair weather friend? That's not allowed. That's not what the church should look like. Um, there's, a, there's a writer, James, not, not the James from the Bible, but a different James who had something to say on this. This might be new for you, but um, listen along so you can get it. Don't you You just call It's okay to sing. Stuck in your head all day long. Saint James, right? Yeah, yeah he, he had it figured out and um Great song, but uh, think of the lyrics on that, right? When, when do you need to be a friend? Winter, spring, summer, and fall, right? Wouldn't that be awesome if that's what we all had? Wouldn't that be just like home? Wouldn't that be just like heaven? That we, we didn't live like the world lives. We didn't live like those who were just by our side when it was convenient, not those that want to stick with you just when it's easy, but that we would obey what Scripture says because a friend loves at all times. And there's no room for fair weather friends and there's no time clock to punch on friendship. As he takes this a level deeper now, I want you to see uh, the, the concept that shows up. I wrote this down, that the evidence of commitment, all right, because that's what we're talking about with friendship. True friendship, like that of your own family member, like a brother. The evidence of this commitment is visible only in adversity. Uh, this word adversity in the Hebrew is a really interesting word, too. It, it has uh, with it uh, this um, kind of this emotional idea, too. It actually means a narrowing or a constriction. Um, we use the, the word uh, to be in like dire straits. Maybe you've heard that word before. Or uh, probably the best uh, way to encapsulate the, the, the nuance of the emotion of this word is anxiety. Anyone know what that feels like? Anxiety. Right, you know when the temperature just starts to raise and it's like your collar gets really tight, right? You know what? That's what a brother is born for. Uh, a brother is born for those times when it when when it starts to get tight. You know, when the blood vessels start to constrict because you just feel like I don't know if I see a way out of this. I wanted to get kind of real with this idea and bring it down into the real world, and so I tried to think up some examples of what this looks like. Anxiety, like like a bad day at work. 
right? When the boss says, hey, I need you to come into my office, and he uses that voice, right? I need you to come into my office. He doesn't tell you why, and you're like, oh, what did I, I don't know. You start to feel a little anxiety. It starts to feel a little tight. Or maybe you, uh, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but you get to the ATM and it says, funds not available. (gasps) Or maybe the doctor's office calls. The doctor says, you should sit down for this. Or maybe you've been sick with the flu for the third time this year, right? And it just feels like, man, I could use a friend. Or the office calls and they says, they say, you know, you, you knew we were downsizing. Maybe you've heard the rumors. Or even family. When it's hard. And some sins of the past are still left unforgiven. Sometimes we need a friend. And that's when you can really tell who your friends are. The ones that show up in those moments of trial. Those moments where anxiety is the only thing that you feel. When the chips are down, you truly find out who your friends really are. In my own life, this for me was the indicator uh, for who I was going to marry. I was serving over on the mission field and I got this uh, stomach bug. Now at the time, you got to picture me as a teenager who looked really cool, right? Looked really cool. And uh, had it all together, right? And I was really able to do a lot, but then this stomach bug just shot me right down. And all I could do was lay on my side and make this sound. Oh, that's all I could do. I felt miserable. And and all the people who were always around me, they really didn't want to be around me, right? Because he might pop any second, right? Uh, But there was one person, there was one person who stayed by my side, and that was Emily. And uh, we, we weren't even dating. All she knew is that I needed a friend, and she didn't want me to have to lay there alone. And I laid there on, the, on my side in the middle of an island, in the middle of the Caribbean, and I said to myself, if I recover from this, I'm going to marry this girl. Because <laughs> she loves me not when I'm at my best, but she loves me even when I'm at my worst. Isn't this what family does? Isn't this how you see your family members? I mean, the, the, the kids that even disappoint, the kids that would lead you the wrong way, like you still love and you're still there and you still show up. And sometimes it's the moms interviewed on TV for the criminals. Well, my boy is just such a sweet boy. He would never do right? <laughs> that. That they're always going to be committed <laughs> because they're family. They're family. And that's what we need. And you are a family R- right across the road, the, the seats in front of you. The seats behind you. You are a family. That you have a greater right to call one another brother and sister. Not because you are based on a physical relationship by the will of a a mother and a father. But because Jesus Christ died on the cross to give you that privilege. To call one another brothers and sisters. That is the spiritual truth. The supernatural truth. That has bound us together as a family. There's a quote that comes out of the the Catholic Bible. It's one of the books that we don't have, Ecclesiasticus chapter 7. But it's an awesome quote. I have it for you in your sermon notes. It says this, A friend cannot be known in prosperity, and an enemy cannot be hidden in adversity. How true is that? When things are going well, you don't really know who your friends are. Right? When you got it all together, when you look really cool, man. Right? When people want to be around you, you don't know who your true friends are. A friend cannot be known in prosperity. 
But an enemy cannot be hidden in adversity. That when life gets tough, you, you'll see the people who stick by your side. This is what the writer of our proverb wants us to hear today. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. As we kind of wrap this up, I, w- I want to go one step deeper. I want to go a little further with this. Because everything in the scriptures speaks about one who has come on your behalf to live the life that you and I cannot live on our own and to die a death that you and I deserve. I want you to open your Bibles over to John chapter 15. Turn with me there, John chapter 15, very quickly. Jesus here has told his disciples that he's leaving. He's going back to heaven. He's going to send, uh, he's going to send the Holy Spirit to be with them. We're going to pick up a little bit of context here uh, in verse 14 of chapter 15. Helen, what page is that? 1677, if you're still looking there. John chapter 15. Look at verse 14. Jesus says to his disciples, look at this. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you, what's it say? Friends. Friends. Do you see that? That Jesus calls those who do the Father's will his friends. You're not servants. Jesus is your friend. He's going to stick by your side. He's going to stick up for you. When you're having that bad day, like when you're surrounded with, you got the quarreling and you got these foolish people over here and the money's gone. You know what? Jesus is there. Jesus is there because he doesn't call you servants as if we somehow owe something to God and therefore have to do our duty. No, God loves you, wants to be around you, and calls you his friend. Back up just a verse uh, before this, in verse 12 of chapter 15, look at his command. He says, my command is this. What does it say? Love each other as I Loved you. Let's say that again together. Ready? Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his what? For his friends. The proverb says, a friend loves at all times. Jesus calls you a friend. Let's go another level deeper on this. I want you to flip over to Matthew's gospel now. Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew 12, Jesus is confronted um, by those who want to claim that he's really not who he says he is. And that um, his family wants his attention. And and they they want Jesus to come up because they kind of feel like Jesus is getting off the chain here a little bit. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 50 and maybe back up a little bit of verse 49 or 48. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, check this out. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So what does Jesus call you now? If you're his follower, if you have pledged your life Uh, To be ruled by Jesus Christ to say, where you lead, I will go. If you're his follower, he calls you family. He calls you his brother. And what does the proverb say? A brother is born for adversity. 
Do you see these words showing up there? The same words that we have in Proverbs. Jesus now extends to us as the church. I want you to see this played out in a few passages. Deuteronomy 31 and Hebrews 13 both say this. God says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And Jesus, before he's taken back up to heaven, in the end of Matthew's gospel says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Because a friend loves when? At all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Jesus is your friend. He'll never leave you. I want you to see another one. You may be thinking, well, what about my circumstances? Like, you just don't know the house I grew up in or what I've been through. Paul has something to say to you about that. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Listen to what he says. What will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And he goes on and on and on from here in Romans 8. What's the point, though? What can separate you from God's love? Say nothing. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Well, let's take that a step further. Well, what about, what about my sin? Right? Maybe sin is what really is going to separate me from God. I'm going to put a little asterisk on this to explain after we read this verse. But look what Paul says in Romans 5. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still, what's it say? Sinners. Sinners. Christ died for us. There's nothing that can separate you from God's love. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is a friend that sticks by your side at all times. doesn't matter what you go through. could be trouble. could be hardship. could be persecution. Famine, sword, hungerness, whatever it is. It's not going to separate you from God's love. Which means this. Sometimes you might not feel very loved. But what does the truth say? You are loved. You are loved. It's not even sin that separates you from God's love. In fact, it's sin that will incur upon you his discipline. For the Lord says he disciplines those he loves. The reason why we begin our service with confession is because the one thing that sin does do in our life is it moves us away from God in terms of fellowship, in terms of walking with him, in terms of our obedience to listen and obey him. That's what sin does. But it never separates you from his love. You didn't do anything for him to love you to begin with. What's it say? While you were still a sinner. So that God would show his love to you. Christ died for you. Let's wrap this up. Here's what I, here's what I want to conclude this to. Number one, we need to be people willing to receive love. We need to be a people willing to to receive love. I'm certain that that doesn't strike your heart the way it should. I just need to say it again. We need to be willing to receive love. Pastor Dave gave a testimony that this church was like no other, that, that, that you loved him, that you made him a better pastor. He said, I told him that a hundred times. But no place else in his life did he see that more evidentially than at the very end of his life. Should we wait till the end of our lives to receive love? Should we just keep people at arm's length until we're so broken by hurt or disease or sickness that we have to receive it? Or what do you think? Should we be the kind of people that understand that I can't be a lone wolf on this earth? right? I can't be a maverick or the kind I can't let anybody see me cry. You know, I'm... Mr. Tough Guy, 
that you don't want to let people in. We need to be willing to receive love. Not before the end comes. But today, right now. For God is love. This is the calling of the church. Secondly, I wrote this down. We need to recognize Jesus as your faithful friend. And as your brother. You're going to run into moments, church. You're going to run into moments when life gets hard. And it's not going to feel like God's love is there. Those are the times where you have to know that Jesus stands right by your side. He has not left you. Maybe today you're going through something right now. Even coming to church might have been hard for you today. That you're facing something that you just don't know how I'm going to make it through. I want you to hear clearly today, church. God is beside you. Jesus calls you his friend. And a friend loves when? At all times. And this is the third point. We need to love one another at all times. Especially through troubles. Especially through adversity. Especially when anxiety shows up. That's when we need to be a friend. Now, I'm not going to do justice in just handing you those conclusions and saying, good luck, right? Because here's the question. How do we do that, right? That's the question. How are you going to do that? I believe that hopefully today everybody hearing uh, the exposition from Proverbs understands this is true. And I'm convinced I want to be like that. But how do I do that? Right? How do I do that? Well, I want to give you a couple ideas. I'm calling this the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right? So here's the good. First of all, say kind things. What did Mama say? If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. And you know what? You may be the type of person that needs to practice saying kind things. If you're harboring or entertaining negative thoughts about somebody in your mind, you've got to put that stuff away. Say kind things. The other night I was... Um, uh, coming, uh, coming into uh, the bedroom and my wife had made this wonderful meal. Uh, like my favorite meal that takes a whole, like all the dishes, takes, takes all the dishes to make. It was fajitas just for anybody else who's wondering. That's like my favorite. And then she spent all this time cleaning it up and then she got the kids all put to bed and she washed all the dishes and cleaned the whole house and I'm upstairs, you know, working. And she, at 8.30, when she puts Micah to bed, she also goes to bed. And so I walk in, and there she is laying down uh, playing Candy Crush on her phone. Anybody else? Anyone else just? And, and, I, uh, and I said to her, I said, what are you doing on your phone again? And she just like, why do I got to be such a jerk, right? Isn't that just like being a jerk? That wasn't kind. That wasn't nice. That wasn't being a friend. That wasn't me recognizing what she had gone through and she needed to take some time, right? So here's the point. This is the good of it. Folks, say kind things. I, I needed to be reminded of that this past week. I don't need to see negative things. And it, maybe it was because I still had a load of work in front of me to do and I saw her kind of taking it easy. And so I felt like, well, boy, you on your phone again, right? That's not a nice thing to say. So say kind things to people. Now, the, the bad here, it's not exactly bad, but it's, uh, it's the harder of the two. Um, I, I could have called this the good, the hard, and the ugly, but that wouldn't have made sense. So just write, this is the harder thing to do, which is this. We need to confront people in love. We need to confront people in love. And that is very hard to do. Sometimes it's the hardest thing just for people to confront others. And you know what? Sometimes we can let things go and give people grace. And we need to do that. Remember, we just studied grace, right? 2017, grace together. 
But every now and then, there's just something that just sticks in our hearts that we need to go and we need to confront. But you don't do that in a way that's heavy-handed, and you don't do that in a way that's insulting, and especially within a marriage. You've got to do that in a way that's clothed with kindness, with gentleness. But we must confront one another in love. Uh, you, you might be struggling with this right now, and the place where you see this is when you've got those one-sided battles that you fight in your mind. Anyone have those? Those conversations like, well, I left this individual like that, and when I see him again, I'm going to tell him that, and then they're going to say this, and then I'm going to be like, bam! And, and they're going to be like, what? Oh. Quit doing that! That is not a healthy thing to do. You fight these battles mentally in your head where you have these conversations that never make them into the real world. And that's evil. That's sinful. You know what you need to do? You need to either let it go. Get over it. Be done with it. Or you need to confront the person and say, probably first of all, I need you to forgive me because I've been, I haven't been handling this the right way. No other place does this need to be seen more than in God's church, in God's family. Because a friend loves at all times. And we are sinners as well. Right? So we're going to have conflict. We need to be the kind of people that go and we confront in love. And we welcome the ability for ourselves to be corrected. Maybe I heard you wrong. Maybe, you know, someone told me this is what I heard and maybe I'm off on this. I just need to bring it to your attention and see if you can help me understand what this was that that happened. Because I've been unhealthy up here. There's been a poison in my mind. Because I have not been confronting you on this. We need to be willing to give each other grace. We need to confront in love. I I imagine if we did an experiment here today. If you close your eyes. And you imagine you're going to be on a long flight. Who would you dread to sit next to you? Everybody got someone? (laughs) This is who I would hate to have sit next to me. Guess what? That's the person God wants you praying about. That's the person. That's the place where you may need to confront in love. And lastly, uh, the ugly, because, ooh, this is the hardest one of all. And this is so necessary. Sometimes we need to confess ourselves. And we need to ask for forgiveness. Uh, when I was uh, in, in seminary, a really good friend of mine, my, perhaps my best friend on earth, uh, he and I got into an argument because we both like to be in charge, right? We both want to be the ones calling the shots. And, and I kind of... Um, pressed a little harder than maybe I should have and maybe overstepped some bounds and, and uh, his defensive mechanism was just to shut down. Anyone else do that? Fine. <laughs> right? And, and just, just shut down. And, and then the other part, like you can tell something's wrong, right? Anybody, you get what I'm saying? Like, I know something's wrong. This happens in marriages a lot, right? Something's wrong. What's wrong? What did I say? What did I do? And so knowing that uh, this individual meant so much to me, I, I had to get this squared away. So um, I went over to his apartment and I just said, I, I, I got to co- confess to you and ask your forgiveness. I, I'm not exactly sure what I might have done, but I have an idea. And he was like, no, man, it's fine. It's fine. Nothing wrong here. I can tell something's wrong. All right. You're not being. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I said, all right. I'm not leaving then. And I didn't leave. I sat down in his apartment. I just said, I'm just going to stay here. I'm just going to show, I just need to show you that uh, I want to be committed to you on this. And, and he started to, his heart to soften a little and a little. And, and eventually, you know, we were good again and worked it out. But that, do you think that was easy for me to do? That's not easy to do. 
Uh, to this day, this, this guy re- remains one of my closest friends in the world. Church, I want to tell you, a friend loves at all times. Winter, spring, summer, or fall. And a brother is born for adversity. Let's pray.